Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Current. This was a chaotic and challenging week, to say the least, after a year that itself was chaotic and challenging. It makes me feel that the series that we just started last week is all the more important and timely. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into today's uh, text and teaching. Uh, Father, uh, we place ourselves and our country into your hands. Father, would you please bring peace and healing in these times? And would you please, most of all, uh, work through your spirit? Would you work through your spirit in your church, in us and through us, that we would most especially be gospel lights at this time? And Father, as we turn now to your word, would you please give us your spirit to understand what you have before us? We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome again. I'm David. Today, we're continuing the series we started last week. We're calling Onward. And the whole idea here is, yes, we're facing some really hard times, but we don't want to just survive through them, nor do we just want to thrive through them. What's more is we want to be able to ask God, no, what is it you're doing and calling us into in the midst of all this, that you'd like to work in us and through us? And so we're looking at Hebrews chapters 11 through 13. Last week we started in chapter 13. This, this week we're kind of zeroing back and, and coming to Hebrews 11, the, the first part of it. And you could say this, in the Bible there's Hebrews, and in Hebrews there's chapter 11. Because chapter 11 is this wonderful, concise retelling of some of the ancient men and women of faith and how they followed the Lord during hard times. And it all happened through their faith. Today's topic is really going to be of, of utmost importance. It's considering faith. And here's what I want to say just, just right here at, at the top, is that we all live by faith. Every one of us live by faith, not just Christians, and not just Christians on Sunday mornings. We all live by faith. Uh, one of my favorite, actually my, fa my most favorite uh, class at Cal and during my undergrad was a class called epistemology. And epistemology is, is essentially the study of what we know and how we know what we know. And if you've taken any class similar to it, like Philosophy 101, you know that one of the points they'll make very early on is how the vast majority of things in life we cannot know with absolute certainty. I mean, there's mathematical equations and different axioms like that that we can know with absolute certainty, but the vast majority of things in life we cannot know with absolute certainty. And I remember at one point the professor was sharing this thought and one of my classmates shot up their hand and said, but, but professor, I, I can know with absolute certainty that the sun's gonna rise again tomorrow morning. And the professor said, can you now? And went on to share how you can draw from past experience. You can draw from what you know about how the earth goes around the sun, or at least your teachings from that. But you can't prove that it'll necessarily absolutely happen tomorrow. And it's just one of those moments of like, wow, I guess that's really interesting of a thought that we can't know things with absolute certainty, even if we can have great confidence in such things. We all live by faith. Now that's the abstract. Let's think about this at the more practical level, our everyday lives type level. We all live by faith. For instance, if you need a surgery, uh, an operation, you're going to look for a surgeon. You're going to do the research and collect data on which surgeon you might want to consider. And no matter what you hear or what data you're able to collect, at some point you're going to have to put yourself under the care of that surgeon. Or consider, you know, finding a spouse. 
you know, you're looking for a, a would-be husband or wife, you can get to know them. You can get to know people who know them and hear what they know of them. But at the end of the day, you're making a faith step if you choose to be with them. I mean, that's true of, you know, potential new hires. It's true of finding a car mechanic. We all live by faith in any number of ways. And that's to say nothing of the big life questions, like why we are here. What is our purpose? What is meaning in life? Faith is of utmost importance for each and every one of us to consider. And so what we'll be doing in this ser- series is, be con- is considering this uh, uh, very important topic and see how faith helps us not just through the hard times, get through them, but join with God in his eternal life-changing work that he wants to join uh, uh, us to join him in. We're going to be looking today at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there now. If not, no worries. The words will be on the screen. And we're going to consider the nature of faith. Now, real quickly, the writer of Hebrews, it seems, is in in no way intending for these three verses to be an exhaustive, definitive statement on what faith is. There's so much more that could be said about faith and, and should be said about faith in the grand scheme of the topic. But here we have a very helpful helpful uh, few verses that can teach us much about the nature of faith. So let's look at Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 3. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So we learn at least three things here about the nature of faith. First, we learn that faith is understanding. Here it is again in verse 3. By faith, we understand. Now, there's this notion out there that Christians turn off their brains come Sunday morning. That, you know, for the first hour of the beginning of the week, Christians, when they go to church, are just, you know, suspending all rational thought or reasoning. But the Bible teaches that if we were to do so, it would not be faith. That's not faith. Think of it this way. If you were to say, I'm a Christian because I was raised that way, even though all the evidence is to the contrary, Uh, The Bible says that's not faith. Faith is thinking, reasoning, understanding. The Bible Bible challenges us to do such things. In college, I had a number of friends who liked to talk religion and spirituality, non-believers themselves, but we enjoy having these kind of conversations. And they would regularly press me on, on, on my beliefs. Well, at one point, I remember asking them, you know, about their beliefs, actually not at one point, but a number of times, what they thought to be true, what they understood about the big life questions. And their answer, at least a couple of these guys, was more or less, well, we can't know about these things, so we don't know. And then I remember asking a little bit further, like, you know, how they came to, to, to that place. And they admittedly said that they hadn't actually really thought about it too much or done a lot of uh, work to consider these things. The book of Hebrews here is saying, don't you dare do that. Don't you dare with these biggest of life questions. Just go with the flow or think, well, I'm just not going to think about it. It says here in verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, the Christian says, 
it is easier to understand the world if, if, if I take into account that there is a God. The world is more coherent if I understand that there is a God. Uh, Christian philosopher and professor Alvin Plantanga wrote a philosophy book called Warranted Christian Belief. And in it, he does a bit of a survey of modern Western uh, philosophies. And as he does that, he kind of holds them up, uh, holds, holds the claims of Christianity uh, up against those to try to make sense of it all. And really his thesis is this. Uh, if you take into account all the evidence and all that we can see or understand, it is by far and away easier to believe the claims of Christianity than anything else if you allow for one thing. And that one thing is the supernatural. It's easier to believe in the claims of Christianity, Plantinga argues, if you allow for something or someone apart from nature playing a role in it supernaturally. I've shared this before, but this is part of my story. Uh, again, with a number of those same friends I was referencing earlier, I'd have these spiritual conversations and they'd challenge me uh, rightly in, in, in my faith. And I remember a number of them would say to me that you just believe because you were raised that way. And eventually I had to admit to myself that maybe that was true. And so I went on a bit of a spiritual journey of sorts where I looked into religion. I looked into philosophy and, and, and different ways of thinking. But one conclusion or one premise just was unescapably clear to me throughout all this thinking and soul searching, if we'll call it that, is that there has to be a God. I mean, I just look at the world and I understand how things are, are, are and how they operate and just how, how we can interact and let alone how we, we came to be. And I just, it's unmistakably clear to me that there, there must be a God, that we even exist. And then you think about the fine-tuning of the universe. And you think about morality and how so many cultures across so many spaces of time and generation of, of different people groups who have never come across have, have a very similar, strikingly similar sense of right and wrong and so on and so forth. You've probably heard it said that there's uh, uh, the mathematical chances of organic life springing out of inorganic matter are less than the chances of an explosion in a print factory producing a Gutenberg Bible. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, it says. It's faith, faith that is reasoned, come to by understanding. Now, you might not have all the finer points worked out, and this is not to say that the finer points aren't worth considering. They absolutely are. But it is to say you have enough to make uh, understanding, to have, to have faith. So faith, in, in part, is looking at the world and also looking at the claims of Scripture, which we'll get to here now in a moment, with reasoning, with thinking, with understanding. So uh, the nature of faith is it's understanding, but it's not just understanding. Faith is also confidence. Look at verse 1. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You know, it's, it, this is a very rich verse here. In fact, if you were to read three uh, Bibles, three different translations of, of, the, of the Bible in English, you'd probably find three different wordings here for this verse. Verse, But what it's saying here, at least in our text, is, 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 are the words, faith is confidence and assurance. Again, this is saying faith might not just be a mathematical equation that we can understand with absolute certainty, but it is something that we can know to the point of having great confidence and assurance because of. 
Another way of thinking of it is faith can bring conviction. Faith is about conviction. Uh, when, when it says assurance about what here in verse 3, that's the Greek word pragmaton, which is essentially to say things from the past, things that are available to us. Faith, in other words, the writer is saying, is not just understanding the world in general, but understanding the claims and promises that the scriptures help to make clear the world and how we operate and how we live in it and interact with it. I have talked to countless people over the years who at one point or another have shared with me something to the effect of, oh my goodness, I never thought I'd be a Christian. In fact, my entire life, I basically stiff-armed it. Um, but there have just been too many things in my life just by way of happenstance, or actually the wording is often too many coincidences for me to continue to think of them as coincidences that I now realize this is actually all true and that I believe and that God loves me. Can you prove that there's a God? No, you can't prove that there's a God any more than you can prove that there is no God. But if you talk to countless Christians, in fact, many Christians here at Current, or you can listen to some of the testimonies before recent baptisms, you will hear people say something to the effect, while I can't prove him to you, his existence to you, I can say that you, have, you can have great confidence and assurance that he's not only there, but he's there for you. Faith is having assurance or conviction about what we do not see. That's a way of asking or, or, or challenging us to ask, does it have a ring of truth to it? As in, if you were to really open up your heart and mind, like really, truly open up your heart and mind, does, do the claims of Jesus ring true? Uh, that's one of the things I, um, I really enjoyed uh, hanging out with one friend in particular back in college. I remember at one point he shared something with me when we were having one of these conversations that was so, so refreshingly honest and transparent. And he said something to the effect, at one point he said, he said, um, you know, David, I actually, I actually tend to think that Christianity and the claims of Christianity are true, but, it, but I, don't, I don't want to become a Christian. And I asked him, that's interesting, like, you know, why, why is that? He said, because I don't want to change my life. If you were to read about Jesus in the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you're just to let who he is and his claims, all of it in its totality, his personality, his, his drive, the way he interacts with people, and you're just to sit with that. Does it have a ring of truth to you? I mean, these were big claims that Jesus was making, implicitly and explicitly, that he's the son of God. He had the ability to forgive sins, that he was going to rise again from the, from the dead. But when you read about him, does, does it ring true? At one point, Jesus said, he said, if you know me, you know the Father. In other words, we have contained in the scriptures enough to get to know who God is, his heart, and his heart for us. Is there a ring of truth to that? What's more is you can take into account the gospel itself, or literally the good news, which is to say Jesus left his heavenly throne to come on a rescue mission to, to live for us and ultimately die for us, to offer forgiveness of sins, to bring us back into relationship with God. That's a staggering claim, a historical claim, that Jesus came into this world to die on the cross, to be buried, and to rise bodily from the grave. And you might be thinking, well, that's, that's kind of far-fetched, but is it all that much far-fetched compared to the fact that we are here breathing, thinking? 
And it's not to say that this happened in a vacuum. Uh, there's a lot of historical claim and evidence pointing to it. For instance, just one of these, to take, take a quick second on this, is the fact that all of all his 12 immediate followers, his disciples, all of them, minus with one exception, were martyred for their profession of him having rise again from the dead. All of them, history tells us, all but one who was actually exiled, not martyred, uh, were killed because they believed and shared that Jesus had, had, had risen from the grave. And the one who was exiled for his faith later wrote what we considered right before Christmas in that series, 1 John 1, 1, that which was from the beginning, he wrote, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have touched with our, with our own hands, this we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. Faith is understanding. Faith is confidence. And faith is, finally, commitment. We see this in verse 2 where it says, This faith is what the ancients were commended for. I can't wait to get into the rest of Hebrews 11 with you as we look at these ancient men and women and their faith and how they got to be a part of some incredible, amazing things, each and every one of them through incredibly challenging and chaotic times themselves. And the theme for all of them, without exception, is that they did it all by faith. That's why in verse 4 it says, by faith Abel. Verse 5, by faith Enoch, verse 7, by faith Noah, verse 8, by faith Abraham and Sarah, by uh, verse uh, 13, all these people were living by faith. By faith is the theme. In other words, what we see is faith is not just something to be conceptual. Faith is not just conceptual, but something that fuels our lives. These guys didn't just believe. It fueled who they were and what they did. Faith is understanding, faith is confidence, and faith is commitment. It's like the person looking to marry somebody. You can get to the place where you know that would-be husband or wife, but there comes a point where you have to commit or not. And sadly, a lot of people choose not to commit because commitment can be incredibly scary. But commitment is also one of the most beautiful and wonderful things there, there, there is in life. Uh, when I first met my father-in-law uh, many years back now, he would tell me uh, and others that he refused to talk about politics and religion. Just don't talk to me about politics and religion. And for Cindy and me, that just meant, okay, we're going to respectfully, lovingly try not to just, you know, just go at it all the time with them, of course. But, you know, out of love for him, we just still wanted to share God's love uh, for him through Jesus. And so, you know, we weren't going to be Bible thumping about it or judgmental, but just as we could, just kind of graciously, gently put it, put it in front of him. But he just didn't want much of it. <laughs> well, years later, after he had actually come to put his faith in Jesus, he was giving his testimony in front of hundreds of people at, uh, at a church service. And he recounted how all along the way, God had just been chasing him, but he had just been holding him at arm's length. He didn't, he didn't want it. Um, but I remember one night in particular, uh, we, were, we were visiting them, and uh, I, it had been a long day, and I was tired, and so I went up to, to my room, and I was just reading, and Cindy came in and said, hey, David, uh, I've been praying about it. I think, I think, I think God would, would want us to do a Bible study with my dad. Uh, would you be up for leading a Bible study with my dad? 
And I, I wish I could say to you in that moment, my response was, absolutely, I'd be honored to lead a Bible study. Let's, let's go, let's go do it. Uh, but my response wasn't that. My response was, hey, I'm, oh, I'm so tired. I'm in the middle of reading this book. You know, we've tried talking to your dad about this a bunch of times. Can we just leave it be at least for tonight? I'm open to that. And she said, she was insistent. She's like, no, I feel like the Lord wants us to do this. Okay, can't, can't say no to that. So, so we went down and he was open to us. We had a, we had a Bible study, if I remember it was, we looked at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, the first five verses, which incidentally are a great recapitulation of, of the gospel, what, it, what the gospel is at its, at its core and its essence. And the conversation actually ended up being just really uh, one where he was just ask, leaning into it, asking a lot of questions, and it seemed it was vibing with him. And he was actually at a place where he, he had a, an open heart to it. In fact, I, I would venture to say that he, he already believed the gospel at that point, what we were reading and talking about. And at one point, I remember saying, I said, Ba, which, which is Chinese for, for dad, I said, Ba, it seems to me you're, you're at this place where your feet are up right next to this line. Like there's this line, you're stepping right up to it, and your toes are just hanging over that line even. And, and it just it's coming down to you've got the information, you, you, know, you, you know enough, but it's just like you gotta, you gotta step over the line. You gotta, you gotta cross over the line and just step into faith and a relationship with God. And we, we can say, Cindy and I can say that we, we imagine that that's a scary place to be, but we can say also that that's the best decision you can make in your life. And not that night, but, but shortly thereafter, he did make a decision to, to cross the line and to choose to put his faith in Jesus. And it was wonderful. I don't, I don't want to overdo it, but he just went from zero to 60 in terms of his joy and understanding the meaning and purpose that God had for him and just living out of a relationship with God. And, you know, towards the end of his life, the last few years, he had been diagnosed unexpectedly with cancer, but that was just more of a means for him to tell more people about Jesus, even to the point of this week when I was studying for this lesson you know, reading off by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham. I thought of Cindy's dad, Michael, by faith, Michael, in those last few years. Some of you might be standing at that line. Your, your, your feet are right up next to it. Maybe your toes are like, are like dangling over that line. And it, there, there comes a point where you have, to, you have to make that decision just to commit and say, I, I'm in. And I can just tell you, and any number of people at Current can tell you that that's the best and greatest decision you can make in life. There's nothing better than that. And if that's you, we'd love to come alongside you and be a help to you in any way you can. Please let us know if you're comfortable with that. We'd love to be uh, a loving resource to you in any way we can. But then for those of you who have made that decision, any number of years, weeks, or whatever ago, you've been walking with Jesus, you're a follower of his, let me ask you this question based on our text. What would faith commitment look like for you right now? What would faith commitment look like for you? This is, of course, a question we need God's help, his Holy Spirit, in helping us understand what that would mean for us individually, specifically. But maybe that's it, going to him in prayer later this afternoon and saying, God, what, what would faith commitment, what's faith commitment look like for me in this season? What would you be calling me into? And then just listen. What might he say to you in that? And then take that seriously. For some of you, maybe, maybe that faith commitment is taking sin seriously. There's something in your life or that you've, you've, been, you've been doing. You know God doesn't want you to do that and you know you shouldn't be doing it, but it's just like, well, I, just, I don't want to think about it. Maybe that's faith commitment in this time.
Maybe for some of you, faith commitment is taking grace seriously. Whether that's extending and receiving grace for yourself, for things that you're just holding from the past, guilt or, or burdens that God doesn't want you to carry, he, he forgives you for. Or, or maybe it's extending and, and, and giving grace to a, a, a close loved one who needs it. Um, for, for a wrong that they've done or whatever it might be. Maybe for some of you, uh, a faith commitment right now is, is trusting God. Trusting God, especially in these times, not working out the way that you would have hoped they work out. Whatever the case, faith is understanding, faith is confidence, and faith is commitment. And here's what's incredibly important about all of this, in, in, my, in my opinion, is that when it comes to faith, it's something that doesn't just help us get through, which it does. Faith does ground us and help us get through hard times. Faith then becomes perhaps the main way that we can bring love and glory and honor to our Heavenly Father. It becomes a way that we can bring a smile to His face. Because again, look at verse 2. It says, this is how the ancients were commended. This is what the ancients were commended for. Their faith the way that they brought glory and honor to God, the way in which he commended it was by their faith. Notice that it doesn't say throughout all this text that by works Abraham did such and such, or by clever planning Noah did this and that, or by strategic insight Joseph accomplished this and that. It says over and over again, by faith these people did these things. Jesus at the end of the times said that what he will say to his followers is not well done, good, and effective servant. You know, he, he's going to say, well done, good, and faithful servant. Faith is something that doesn't just strengthen us, get us through, but allows us to bring glory and praise and honor to our heavenly Father who loves us. It's a way of us expressing love back to him. And it incidentally is something that we get to do in this life. Faith is not going to be an issue in the next life, but it's something we get to do uniquely in this life unto him in worship. So faith is an aggravatingly wonderful thing. By it and through it, we can receive strength and be strengthened for the eternal life-changing work that God calls us into. Yes, even in the midst of hard times. So how might the Lord be calling you to press into him by faith today? Let's pray. Father, it is incredible to think that our chief work is not so much doing things for you, but choosing to trust and put our hope. It's, 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 it's our faith in you. Thank you that really it, it comes down to our resting in and living out of who you are and what you have done, and what you are doing, and what you will do. Father, would current and all your followers, followers listening today uh, be marked by our faith in you. And for, for, those of you, for, for those right now who are perhaps in the place where they, they, they would commit their lives to you, I pray that, that you would especially draw them into your embrace. Uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, let's continue this time of worship now through song. <laughs> 